let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass. It's a new year and we're ready to go, aren't we, mate? Yeah, happy new year, mate. And we've got a lovely looking beer from Cheviot Brewery called Harbour Wall, a 4.2% pale ale. And um, we haven't got bought these. In fact, we hadn't even heard of these uh, people until Ian Hay, listener of the show, sent us a selection of beers from Cheviot. So firstly, thank you very much, Ian. And um, secondly, I, I want to find out what it's like, Steve. What about you? So, same here. Much, much like yourself, I had never heard of, of this brewery and, until um, Ian got in touch and he said he wanted to send some down. So, so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to giving this a try. Uh, should we dive in? Let's dive in. Cheers, Steve. Cheers. That's really tasty. A bit lemon, lemon zesty kind of character to it. Lemon was the first thing that, that I really got from it yeah. on, the, on, the, on the nose and, and the initial f- flavour. And as you say, that really zesty, really fresh, crisp lemon. I, I don't know about you. That is exactly how I want a 4.2% pale ale to taste. Yeah, because it feels it feels like a modern pale ale, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to be an American pale ale. No, it's it's very firmly. I tell it's very firmly an English leaning yeah. pale ale. It's 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 malty. It's got that kind of um, earthy bitterness to it, and and it's just letting the hops shine through with a with a little bit of those citrus notes. Yeah, and it, it's just really refreshing. It sits at a lovely little percentage at four point two as well. Um, I mean, the I was going to. Say, I mean, it's a five hundred milliliter bottle, so automatically, I think you and I have probably thought a little bit of trad going on here, just a little well. bit, yeah. Um, but the actual labelling itself doesn't scream trad. I think it's just the brown five hundred milliliter bottle. Um, I mean, this one's got Marisota Pale, Golden Promise, and the Malt Hops of Cascade, Chinook, and Styrian Wolf. So you know, not necessarily traditional hops being used i would i would suggest for an english pale ale um very soft mouthfeel as well it is it is very soft it's very um i, I think i think i've heard people say say before particularly about new england style beers pillowy sort of like quite quite yeah, fluffy that's it's, quite a good way of describing it actually it, it's it's got that sort of feel to it but then it, it does cut through with that lemony citrus bitterness right at the end which is exactly what i want from it yeah, and it has got quite a nice cutting bitterness as well. And it's, you know, and we've said about a few beers recently, this one does scream out to be on a on a cask in, in a pint in a pub with a fire. That's what this beer. Mate, why'd you, why'd you keep doing that to us? Sorry, do you why'd need you a couple keep, of moments? Why'd you keep putting that beautiful image in, in into our heads? <laughs> it's just what it's screaming to me at the moment. And I think also, you know, just the... Uh, the design on the label as well. And it is just a beer which you just want to go back to because it's got that bitterness, then it leads to a, a quite a nice dry finish as well. It is, it's a pintable beer for, you know, for want of a better phrase. And it's achievable with 4.2%. Oh, eas- easily. Now, as, as you said, it's it's a brewery that neither of us have, have, have heard of and probably wouldn't have either had it no. not, not brought them to our attention. Uh, they're a microbrewery based in um, the Ford and Etal estate in North Northumberland. Been brewing for about three years. They run the Black Ball Pub, uh, 
um, which has uh, a kind of brewery tap in it as, as, as well. Uh, and all of the names of all of their beers are all related to different things about Northumberland, whether, whether that be hills or walks or the, the, the seafront. So very, very locally um, produced and themed beers, it, it would seem. Which I think is lovely. And I think it's brilliant that Ian uh, wanted to share these with us because, you know, not only do I know nothing about the brewery, Northumberland's a bit of a mystery to me, to, to be honest, as a, as a part of the UK. Um, so even when you were saying the Ford and Etal estate in North Northumberland, I'm still thinking, yep, don't know where that is either. North, North Northumberland? <laughs> what, you mean Scotland? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Moving on <laughs> rapidly, yeah, yeah. Because uh, just just for a change, I mean, it is this this beer is that pintable that it's not going to hang around very long in the glass. No, so, definitely so, not. So, so let's move on and let's have a a, a little look back uh, what we got up to drinking wise uh, over Christmas. Traditionally, a time where we squirrel, squirrel away some of the bigger beers, some of the nicer beers, a little bit more decadent to, to kind of sit back on those cold evenings and in, enjoy with our loved ones. Uh, I know both you and I and a lot of other people get involved in the 12 beers of Christmas, choosing kind of your, your 12 beers that you're going to drink one a day. Um, so we must have had a few standouts over, over, the, over, over the last couple of weeks since we last recorded the show. Oh, definitely. Uh, the 12, I mean, 12 beers of Christmas is always quite good fun. Um, what me and Michelle have done in the last couple of years is that we do still try to fit in a couple of dry days. So we'll either get ahead of ourselves or catch up on like Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's Eve, that kind of thing. Just to give ourselves a bit of a break. Um, but yeah, looking at the, I mean, the list, which we, I think we decided on our 12 beers back in November in the end. And, you know, I'm not even going to go through all the trip. We had the Bourbon County Stout from 2018 from Goose Island, 15.2% beast of a beer in 500 milliliter bottle, um, which surprisingly doesn't scream trad when you see that particular one in a 500 milliliter bottle. Um, that was just tasting glorious. I mean, I don't think they ever get worse with age, those beers, the Bourbon County Stout. No, they just, they just get better and better, don't they? Yeah, there's... I think Michelle said it as well that the alcohol burn, which I don't think was there that much in 2018 anyway, that evaporated. It was just, it, you, you knew it was a big beer because of the flavor profile. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's quite thick, quite viscous, but you didn't get the massive alcohol burn. Bit of an alcohol hit by the time you'd finished the bottle, but, you know, hey, we were, I was at home and going nowhere like most people. So uh, we also had a destroyce, destruce. Um, I've pronounced it twice there, both both wrong, I imagine. Uh, sure, I'm sure someone will tell us. <laughs> Russian Imperial Stout, Robert the Great. That was fantastic. The Fuller's Ale Vintage uh, 2017 version, um, which we revisited. And just the other standout, I think, was probably um, a beer from Cascade, where we dropped down to a uh, very sedate 7%. Rose City Sour 2016, which I'd bought from beer merchants back in November. Um, really, really nice. Right up there with the um, Rose Gambrinus from um, Cantillon, which, as you know, Steve, I'm a massive fan of that one. Mm -hmm. Very much in a similar sort of vein. So, yeah, but I mean, the 12 beers of Christmas is just good fun. Um, however people decide to do it, um, you know, people want to get really traditional, want to carry on doing it till the 6th of January, that's fine. But I know that... 
by New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, most people have started to think about maybe toning down the amount of alcohol they're, <laughs> they're consuming. Um, whereas you and I thought, let's record on the first Monday of the year and then let's go into bottle share the next day. <laughs> why, why not? It's, it's, it's the most, most sensible thing to, just, to do, isn't it? Let's yeah. just carry on. Is there any standouts from your 12 beers, Steve? Well, there were there were two really. I mean, first of all, yes, it's it's great to see so many people get involved, and and, and thanks to everybody that, that that does get involved in that in in your own way. And that's as, as you say, that's the great thing about it is that people can do it however they want. Um, now, I I didn't actually finish my my twelve beers of Christmas this, what? this year. I uh, crashed and burned really hardly. Um, it was the day after Boxing Day. And, and and I think part part of the problem was that from probably from the, 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 when we recorded the last show, um, but certainly from the day before Christmas Eve, I don't know what happened, but for some reason, I just hit the the beer really hard, and and I had five days in a row of just what I can only describe as excessive drinking, um, and I got to a point on the the Sunday, and I was like what am I doing here? I'm, I'm literally just drinking for the sake of drinking. I'm not enjoying what is in my glass. I'm not tasting what's in my glass. I'm just drinking because there's alcohol in my glass. So I thought actually something needs to stop here um, because this, this, this isn't a path that I want to go down. So I actually stopped the, the, the day after boxing day and I actually went, um, went dry and, and, until New Year's Eve and, and then just had a, had a couple of quiet ones on, on New Year's Eve. Um, when I say a couple of quiet ones, average ABV was about 12%. They were all sort of barrel aged Imperial Stouts. <laughs> um, but I just needed a few days just to recalibrate myself. Uh, I think because I just felt I don't know I felt a little bit of pressure to, to be drinking and um, at the same time I, I also actively stepped away from Twitter I did I didn't make an announcement that, that that's what I was doing but I actually stepped back I actually deleted the app from my phone I, I stopped engaging in stuff and I, I just started really focusing on spending some time with my loved ones and, and just not not worrying about beer so to speak I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, everyone has to do their own way of managing. Um, I mean, I imagine your four or five days where you were doing it, there was also an element of, well, what else am I going to do with my time? I mean, in normal times, a couple of those days, you would have prepared for a few hours down the pub, probably. Yeah. So you, but you wouldn't have gone, you wouldn't have drunk at home before going to the pub. So there would have been a natural gap there as well. There's a walk to and from the pub, you know, the amount of steps you need to do at the moment to have a drink, you're pretty limited. So, you know, the variance once we got into the Christmas period with what we could do, especially given the restrictions on our lives, I can imagine that it can be quite tough sometimes and you can get in, just get in a routine, can't you? Yeah, um, abs- absolutely. And, and, and part of that was, I think, trying to maybe recreate the pub at home because Emma and I bought a, a mini cask of Jaipur to, to enjoy. The, the plan was to enjoy it on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Did you buy one each? No, we just bought the one. Oh, okay. We, we, we just bought the one. And I've, I've got to say, that was that. was even though that wasn't one of my 12 beers of Christmas, that was one of our standout beers over the, the, the period of time that I was drinking over Christmas because it, it was tasting absolutely fantastic fantastic out on that mini cask, even more so on, on the second day because what I did, I, I was keeping it out in the garden to kind of almost keep it at cellar temp. Um, 
but after I'd finished with it the first day, I actually closed the vent up on, on the top rather than leaving it open. And that kind of allowed it to almost recondition overnight. So when I then first, when I opened the vent again on the second day and poured my first pint, it was almost like pouring a pint of sparkled cask Jaipur. It was, it was absolutely delicious and, and it was tasting just so good. Um, we struggled to make it last the two days, I have to admit. That evaporate. That's that glass you've got where beer just evaporates out of it, oh, no, Steve. I, I need. I need to get that fixed. Need some new glassware. But you're yeah. not the only person who said that about some of those mini casks. And I'm sure I saw someone else say it about um, Jaipur in particular. And I think one of our friends mentioned the railway porter from Five yeah. Points having a very similar effect the next day. So again, this is another step up. And you know, as much as we want to have that beer in the pub, at least the breweries are trying as hard as they can to give us as close as we can get to that experience without us being there. So, I mean, I mean, a mini cask of railway porter and a, a mini cask of Jaipur would be right up there with two of your beers you'd have at home anyway, if you were going to have some taps. Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's your dark and light options, isn't it? Yeah. It's straight away. Um, just the, the other two beers that I do want to mention that, that were real standouts. Um, these the, certainly this first one might come as a surprise. Again, it was a, a beer from Thornbridge, but it was one of their sour beers. It was what the heart desires. Um, so this was the this is the Blondau that, that's been uh, fermented with our house yeast uh, aged in burgundy barrels on gooseberries. And, mate, it was absolutely stunning. It's the first time I've had it. I've had the other two um, sour beers from their barrel series, the darker ones, the one that's been aged on cherries and raspberries. Yep. But I've never had the gooseberry one because I thought, I don't. that's really, not really up my street. But it was absolutely delicious. It was really, really cracking, really crisp, like drinking, like, like drinking a really crisp white wine. Um, and the, the, the fruit element was just so subtle on the finish. Really, really delicious beer. I'm really, really, um, I'm actually really excited to see what's coming out with the Thornbridge Barrel Store at the moment because they've they had a few releases towards the end of last year, and and I think they've got a few more coming out over the next few months. So it's it's quite interesting to see where they're going with some of some of those barrels that they've got squirreled away there. Mm, um, which. They've been in the back of their minds when they started up their, their beer club, I suppose, as well. Mm. But they could throw, start throwing these in. Um, was the Mind Games one of their barrel aged? Um, yes. Was that the one with the barrel aged Saison? Yeah. With the, Firestone Walker. Yeah, which they, I think was a barrel aged gin. gin. Yeah. Uh, I had one of those. Um, again, really accomplished beer. They said that uh, it had been better. Barrel aged in uh, there was gin juniper, you got that all the way through. But again, very subtle. It's still a very light beer. It wasn't a heavy beer, but it was still eight and a half percent. I mean, I've got some other beers from Thornbridge as well as Christmas Frisco, Double Green Mountain, Otto. Um, all really good. I mean, the Double Green Mountain isn't necessarily one I would have gone for per se, but very very accomplished. Did exactly what it's supposed to do, and I think that's where Thornbridge generally really nail it if it says it's going to do something that's what it does yeah yeah absolutely and and like you say i think they are they are beginning to drop a few more of those sort of barrel store beers into the 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 beer club on a monthly basis and i've got a couple again coming this month so and and for someone like me that maybe wouldn't necessarily place an order of of those beers I, i guess if they come in a beer club that i've subscribed to that in in my mind i've paid for it it's a good way to try. It's the best way to try them. 
actually, yeah. because uh, that they're in there. And I'm like, oh, quite excited about that. We'll, we'll give that a go. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's an excellent way to to um, try them because they turn up. You haven't really cho- chosen it. You, it's not like you're doing your box at Beer Central where you probably wouldn't put it in there. Yeah, so, the work's been done for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only other, I think the only other shout I want to give is I tried the Fuller's Vintage 2020 over Christmas. Oh, yeah. It's delicious, isn't it? Banging. Absolutely banging. I mean, I know that we had the 2019 and the end of year show and it's taken us about a year to start to love it. The 2020 was get was like the 2018. I was just like, love that straight away. You're on it straight away. All the flavours are there, and it's. I'm really excited to see where that goes. Definitely over, over the next year or so. Yeah, and obviously we'll you know we'll feature on the 2021 end of year show. It, which, it will. Which Steve's already got a spreadsheet for. <laughs> Not quite yet, mate. Not quite yet. Um, <laughs> I, I do just have one more to mention as well. Um, as, as becomes a bit of a tradition for, for, for Emma and I now, we on, on Christmas Day, we crack open a bottle of Bonvo. Um, so we, we cracked open the 2020 version of, of Bonvo on Christmas Day. And, and that uh, tasting fairly fresh, still got a lovely bitterest, bitterness to it. Um, but it's also got uh, kind of that real big peppery hit that you kind of associate with it. Really, really great to taste all of those flavours kind of so young. Um, and then to see where that ages over the next year or so as well is quite exciting. But that's that's a beer that I've uh, very definitely fallen in love with over this past 18 months. I was going to say, because two years ago, I don't think we'd be having the same conversation, Steve. Absolutely not. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the beer that I automatically choose to drink on Christmas Day. But it is a spectacular beer. It, it has all. It's a. It's a bubble. It's bubbles. People have people have bubbles all the time at Christmas. These are very accomplished Belgian bubbles. So it's nice to see you diving into that bit of the world, Steve. Yeah, and um, well, that was from an order that I made from Belgium a few weeks back. Might not be quite so easy to get hold of it in the future, but. No, not judging by some of the stuff I've seen today about certain companies aren't going to be exporting to the UK because of the VAT uh, requirements as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it, things could change. So enjoy those Belgian beers. You've got squealed away, everyone. Yeah, while well, you can. Um, how's the how's the beer going for, for you? I mean, I am probably two-thirds of the way through it. Yeah, it's, I'm two-thirds of the way really, through really it really, really well. easy, easy to drink. Mm. I've stopped thinking about it, to be honest. It's just... I just, in, I know in the back of my mind, I'm enjoying it and I want to go back to it. Well, let's, let's carry on drinking that while we go through a couple of bits of news this week. So the, the first one was, uh, and this is an interesting one. So I'm, I'm interested to see where your thoughts go on this one. Uh, on the 1st of January, uh, James Watt from Brewdog uh, in a very, very public tweet, um, tweeted both Matt Hancock and Nicholas Sturgeon basically offering BrewDog bars as venues uh, to be used as vaccination centres, saying that the, the bars have got a particular setup, they've got rooms that can be used as, as, as private areas, they've obviously got booths, they've, they've, they've been set up so there's socially distanced queuing and everything, they're clean, they're hygienic, they're, they're, and they're currently closed, sitting there gathering dust, so why not use them as vaccination centres? Um, and I believe that then started progressing to them brewdog were actually having talks with both of the governments about using the brewdog bars as as centers and then on the back of that he then put up another tweet saying that we're going to give everyone who gets vaccinated a brewdog beer in in the bar which is like a special commemorative can and there were four cans with four ridiculous names on them and 
for me, I was like, okay, I loved the first bit of what you were doing. I, I think that was a really, really fantastic idea. Makes absolute sense. But the second bit just turned it into a typical BrewDog marketing stunt, which I, I thought we'd moved beyond that with BrewDog a little bit. Exactly how I feel, Steve. Um, I thought the first bit, excellent idea. You know, just from a practical point of view, um, the bars aren't doing anything. We've, we've mentioned many a time how good hospitality have been about adhering to all the regulations that have been issued. So they are probably some of the best places to go to, to be honest. Um, but in typical BrewDog fashion, which like you, I thought we'd started to move away from, you know, that they were maturing as the back of some of their statements from last year. Um, they give with one hand to take away with the other. Oh, no. um, and also, you know, one of the cans saying little prick. I mean, yeah. for fuck's sake. Um, Grow if up. You, if you want to give a can, just have a, have, a, have a rack of dead pony club and a rack of punk. And if someone wants a free, if someone does want to avail themselves of a free beer, just pass them one. Yeah. Yeah, because let's be honest, the, the majority of people that are getting vaccinated at the moment are more elderly. If, if they're not sort of like the frontline workers that are being vaccinated initially, they're, they're more of the sort of like elderly population at the moment. And, and, and strictly speaking, I don't really think that's your target audience, BrewDog. No. And yeah, so I think all they would have done is attracted some cynicism for it. I still think it's a wonderful gesture and a wonderful idea. And if it works out, fantastic but just don't keep doing the publicity stunts on the top of it. Yeah, that, that seemed to be where they got the most grief uh, over, over that. It, it actually seemed to me, from what I saw on Twitter as a result of that, that actually the, the, the good gesture ended up getting lost by the ridiculous marketing stunt because that's all people focused on. It's their own fault. That. Yeah. What they should have done was not offered a beer up at all. It should have just been in the places which were going to become vaccination centres. And as they go out, do you want to take a beer with you? Yeah, well done. You've done your bit. Have, no have fuss. And yeah, like you say, it's not then their their demographic, but a lot of those people might have then handed it to their son, their daughter, their grandson, their granddaughter, someone maybe a bit younger who they remember someone saying about Brewdog at some point. I know that it wouldn't interest my dad, but he also but he's aware that Brewdog exists and he's aware that me and my brothers have been to Brewdog bars. So yeah, just cut the crap out. You get, you know, if you're gonna be altruistic. You don't need to do the second bit. No, no. And, you know, and from from what I understand, you know, hopefully they do use the venues. But from what I understand, the issue isn't so much at the moment having enough venues for, for vaccinations. It's actually having enough people that can administer the vaccinations. Yeah. So, so unless they're going to get, I mean, you know, unless you can train all the BrewDog staff, the, the, the bar staff to administer vaccinations, which again would be a fantastic idea, um, then, then then do that. But um, hopefully we do see, and I, and I think as a result of that, I, I have seen a few other uh, hospitality venues have kind of offered the same thing. So yeah, like, like you say, you know, venues that have jumped through a lot of hoops to make themselves secure, um, why not use them? And, and, and why not use them for what they're good at? Yeah, and that way you are limiting how much people are mingling as well. So there's probably going to be some good aspects to it. But like you say, it's going to be who's qualified to provide the jab in the first place. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the other uh, news item this week is uh, Anspach and Hobday have launched the 330ml can range into Marks and Spencer stores in, in London and South East. So uh, three beers make up this range. It's the Parallel, the IPA and the Porter. Um, and that's adding to the existing portfolio of beers that Anspach and Hobday have in Marks and Spencer's. And they're launching as a limited time offer uh, where you can get all three cans for for five pounds so i think it's great to see that um Antipas and Hobday are continuing to kind of roll their beers out uh interesting decision around only stocking them in london and southeast rather than we know marks and spencer have a extensive train station network yeah but i suppose train stations aren't being used as much at the moment I, no i suppose i suppose there is that yeah but I am surprised still that they haven't like maybe trying to go a little bit further up the country using M&S to spread the A&H reach. You know, there's a lot of people who in the London and South East will already be aware of Anspach and Hobday. I would have thought at least maybe go into, you know, Milton Keynes, Northampton, into the Midlands perhaps to expand their reach. But perhaps it's logistics. Yeah, yeah. Well, from what I understand, they've got, they've got a brand new canning line, haven't they? A new brewery. They, they should be able to fulfil demand. I, I would have thought so. Interesting, it's 330 cans, but I think that apart from like the MS, I say the own brand ones, um, you know, like the Citra from Oakham and the Mosaic from Adnams, which they do in, under their own branding, generally they only do the 330s cans, don't they? Yes, yeah. Tends to be their MO versus a lot, a few of the other supermarkets, which tend to be doing new releases in 440s. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe very much aiming at the sort of grab and go market. I, I, I guess you know, three thirty meals are ideal for train beers, aren't they? When you are yeah. using a train to travel, good free for a fiver though, because I mean we enjoyed those beers last year. We did, yeah. So free for a fiver, I wouldn't sniff at that. If you can get them, get them early on, get them fresh. It's worth going for. Yeah, pretty pretty much all of their core range as as, as well. They're available. There is a um, there's a link which we will include in the show notes to all of the stores where they're being stocked. So if if you do want to, if you are in London and Southeast and you want to pick some up, you can click through on the link in the show notes and find out where you can get them. Let us know if you do get them. Let, let's know what you think of them. Use the hashtag opinions. My glass is empty now. Um, it strange, didn't take, to, strange, Steve. So is mine. It didn't, didn't take long as we were going through the news there. <laughs> I don't think I've got much else to, to say about this beer other than what we said uh, at the outset. I've got nothing else to add. Uh, we've got another beer from these guys later in the show to try. And I think I tried one on one session, the Crimbo Crawl. Um, I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed this one. Hopefully I'll enjoy the last one. And if I do ever see them, and I'm not sure how far and wide they get, Ian has definitely tipped me a wink, but it's worth having by sending us these beers. So again, thanks very much, Ian. Yes, yes, thanks, Ian. And we are going to move on to another beer from another Northeast brewery that Ian also sent to us. So this is from Almasty Bruco, and it's simply called Dank. It's an IPA coming in at 6%. It's, it's almost like Ian knows his market that he was sending these beers to. Yeah, it's, it's almost like he's a listener of the show, isn't it? Yes. Um, again, thank you very much. I mean, I don't, I don't see much Almasty generally. Neither, neither do I. Uh, the only time I really see them is is when I've been in Newcastle because I know they have um, they've got permanent lines in the free trade. In, in in fact, I think they brew a beer that you can only get in the free trade. It's definitely, I think where I had one of my first experiences was Crimbo Crawl in Newcastle. I mean, it, we've poured it. It's got a massive what two finger foamy white head. 
looks quite, you know, a bit yeah. opaque in the glass, maybe a little bit of a haze. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but there's a hell of an aroma coming cool. off of this as well. Um, just before we do get into it, I just want to read what it says on the can. It said, Dank is brewed with some of the most pungent US hops the West Coast has. Expect this beer to be dripping with ripe tropical fruits complemented with sticky pine and a heady, resinous, skunky back note. Um, it sounds like everything that we love, really, doesn't it? Yeah, enough of that. <laughs> yeah, let's, Come let's, on. let's try it. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. God, that's really quite light, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's um initially I'm gonna it's it's like drinking it's like drinking fruit juice. It's orange squash. I'm sorry yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for when men behaving badly listen to this, we are nicking your orange squash analogy for this one. Yeah. Exactly what it's like. You know the, the, that, that aroma, which is all sort of tropical and a bit of dankness, that's not what you get in the flavour straight away. No, it's 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 really light. Um, that there are some of those tropical notes, but like you say, it is like it is like it's like orange squash. That then gives way, and you do get you do begin to pick up some citrus and some tropical notes. And then right at the end, there is this bitterness, and it does have that that dankness, that kind of grassy weedness. Yeah, in, almost in, like a little in, bit in, of, in, the, in the background, a bit of cellar. Yeah, that sort of almost dank dampness kind of quality, but it's just really subtle. Right at the back end, it's not up front putting you off. You've got tropical notes to draw you in. You've got then like some orange squash, a very light body, nicely carbonated. And then you've got this sort of bitter dankness at the end of it. It ticks a lot of boxes, that does. It ticks all the boxes. I mean, that's that's really drinkable. And again, it's a 6%. That could be really dangerous. Yeah, If you were sitting at the free trade in drinking this by the pint, that walk down from the free trade in could be quite dangerous. Well, you'd be hoping for one of those occasions where the weather meant that you couldn't leave. Never. You can't leave for 24 hours. No, you can't can't leave until the cabs can get through to take you home. <laughs> well, while we're enjoying this, let's get into this week's and the first one of the year, the first opinions poll of 2021. Opinions, 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 opinions. So we asked, which are you most looking forward to doing when it's safe to this year? Uh, going back to the pub or all of the beer festivals, we had 430 votes, 80% of people going for going back to the pub. Let's get into some of the views from some of our listeners. So David from DW Markham. Oh, geez, tough one. Obviously both, but when forced to pick like that, a festival. Pubs form a brilliant part of everyday life, and maybe I'm taking them for granted, but there's such an output of joy at the beer festivals that we missed last year. And then from John at Beer in the Suburb, beer festivals, I can see rules being relaxed gradually in the spring, so could feasibly go to the pub for a sit-down meal with a couple of mates around Easter, but beer festivals feel like a very long way off at the moment, so looking forward to those more, if that makes sense. From Dr. Goggles at Dr. Underscore Goggles. Pub slash bar. Beer festivals can come later. I feel that pubs can be open safely. They put so many safety measures in place before and felt safer than supermarkets or shops do now. Ash Corbett Collins at Corbett Collins. Pub. I don't actually care for festivals that much as I'm not a ticker. Having a beer for me is about the socialising and the surroundings, which the pub trumps festivals at. 
from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. It's the simple things I miss most. A cosy seat in a pub, chatting with folk is an incredibly magical image to me right now. And then from Paul at UNRCD, definitely the pub. I miss it so much. I think festivals work fairly well online and I would be happy to see that continue. I always find festivals a bit rushed whilst you can't beat just sitting down in a pub and having a quiet pint. From Rich Taylor, it's Rich Taylor 69. I'm looking forward to the reopening of pubs, not only as a punter, but as my employment. Car scale, port scratchings, conversation, and the feeling of being part of a community. Long live the good old British pub and all that may sail in her. And from Alex, Alex likes booze. Pubs for me. As much as I miss the festivals, having a pint of car scale on a Friday night after work can't be beaten. From Martin at Six Towns Mart, years ago, beer festivals offered a selection that was simply unavailable in pubs. There are so many good pubs now with an outstanding choice. A few pubs in Leeds, York or Manchester is a beer festival in a more sociable, spontaneous environment. From your boy, Rob Edwards at Rob Edwards 90. I enjoy the festivities, but you can't beat the simple pleasure of going to the pub. Oh man, I want to go to the pub so much. And then finally, from new number one fan, Michael, at Mick McGrawity. Beer festivals are a bit of a rarity for me these days, so I'm not really missing them at all. Definitely missing pints down the pub, though. I think, as you said at the start, Steve, quite a resounding, not only in the votes, but I think a lot of the comments, and obviously we've only got a snapshot of them here, were definitely favouring return to the pub over return to beer festivals. Absolutely, and I am probably of exactly the same mind as, as well. You, get, you gave me that option right now and, and I would want to go to the pub and I would want to spend many hours in the pub until I was polite, asked to politely leave <laughs> at the end of the evening. And there's a lot of love for having cask ale in said pubs as well. The, there is. There, there is. I, I, know, I know you mentioned it and we, we joked about it briefly earlier, but um, over the weekend, em, em and I went out for a walk um, just, you know, just in the in the bracing cold air that we now have as, as, as winter's kind of upon us. And, and I, I remember saying to her towards the end of it, I said, oh, it should just be lovely at this point to just walk into a pub and sit down by the fire with a pint of cask ale. And then I was like, I just can't yeah. do that, though. It would be, and even if you didn't have the fire, the automatic warming you get from going into a pub. Yeah. And then a pint of casco, which is set a temperature, so it's not cold, because after that bracing walk, you don't want tank freezing, but you don't want tank warm either, and most pubs are getting that right these days. Um, yeah, for me, it's definitely pubs. I, I still love a good festival, but 2021 for me should be the year of the pub. Um, all efforts by all organisations to be about making sure people go to the pub in whichever way you want to do it. Whether you want to hold mini festivals in pubs, up to you. I wouldn't even bother organising a beer festival if it was me. I would just leave it. Just get everyone down the pub as soon as we can and as soon as people can feel confident as, we're, as soon as we're allowed, then I would take the pub over any of the festivals that I've ever been to. I think I think for me it's been maybe a bit. This has been this one's been coming for a while actually because I I think I've very much fallen out of love with the beer festival. Um, you know I, know I know we joke about my hatred for people, but it isn't it isn't necessarily that. It's it's I'm just I'm just not a fan of crowds. I'm I'm not a fan of the hustle and bustle and and queuing and 
I've, I've very much fallen away from chasing the latest hype or FOMO beer. And what I just want is just to give me four hours in, in, in the Vic um, drinking all of the kernel that, that, that's coming out of the, the, the tap and some of the great selection of cask owls that they, that they have on offer. Give, give me that over four hours at a beer festival any day. Um, I've, I've lost that. I, I don't generally go in for the, the, the ticking of beers so much these days. I'm not always chasing that next beer. I just, Maybe I'm just getting old, mate. Uh, The the more I'm speaking, the more that's what I'm hearing. No, see, I don't think it's the age. I think it's where where you are on your beer journey rather than where you are in your age. Um, We've done a lot of festivals. Us, you, me, the listeners have done a lot of festivals over the years. Some of those may have been to do ticking. I don't agree that all festivals are all about ticking because we've had some cracking times at festivals where the ticking has definitely fallen by the wayside. The more we've drunk and the more people we've got together with. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. I think the social couple, side, couple of those in a couple of those in Ireland with the snobs <laughs> were very much not so much about ticking the beers at all. It was very much just about having a good time with friends. Yeah. So, you know, it, it you can still have that as well. Um, but I think the, the British public have always had this, ideal about the pub we've mentioned it before that whole moon underwater the the idyllic pub and although pubs were closing and we were running out of you know some communities were losing their last pub and we spoke about the 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 program saving the great british pub with tom kerridge a few episodes ago the we've never really had the pub taken away from us no not not like we have and now we have Right yeah. now, it doesn't matter how much I love the pub. It doesn't matter how much I want to go and have a pint of cast beer. I, I I physically can't do it. The option doesn't exist. And there's that bit in your head, which, you know, although they were able to reopen and stuff and some aspects of it, I was actually quite pleased with, you know, table service has been mentioned by a few people in the past that they'd be quite happy to have that as an option as well as bar service. But yeah, give me the pub. I do believe, though, Steve, it's about part of our beer journey rather than just our age. Because there are some beer festivals I still have a soft spot for and would happily return to, but not over going to a pub. And I think someone else made the point. There are some pubs which have such a range of beers now. Yeah, I think that was um, Martin said that, yeah. you know, you can go to any you can go to any of the major cities or towns in the UK and you can find yourself three, four, five upwards pubs where if you spent the afternoon going to those, you could have just as good, if not better, range of, of beers than you're going to get to sample in a beer festival. I would say London Craft Beer Co. You can, you, you've got a range of cask and then you've got a range of tap and then they have a fully stocked fridge as well. And you can go through the styles pretty simply just by sitting in one spot. Um, and you can still have them in a range of measures as well. So I can definitely understand why people are going through it. I, I do understand also the few people who said about festivals, because that's almost like the bit of planning for the festival, buying the tickets, maybe having a night or two away. It's almost like the whole getting excited for travel, isn't it, again? I want. I just want to go away somewhere outside of the area. So I can definitely understand why there are people sort of going with that one as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think at the start of the year, if this had been a normal year, I think the pub still would have won, but but not by so much. 
No, I, th- I think it's very much a reflection of where we're at right now. Yeah. And cer- certainly, like I say, I think that, you know, the vast majority, well, at least 80% of the people there, if, if, if tomorrow when we get this fantastic new dawn, you've got the option to go to the pub or the beer festival tomorrow, it would seem as though most people are going to flock to their local pub. Yeah, um, you know, and I think this will be interesting to see how 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 twenty twenty one does um, deliver on pubs and some festivals because we already know that some festivals are being organised. Tickets are again for sale for Brew London in May, so there are still people planning and hoping that they can deliver these big festivals. Um, I don't think Camera have announced any plans at this stage with regard to their festivals, and I think they've cancelled their AGM in April so I think there's going to be it, it, let's face it, it's going to be easier for a pub to open than get a festival up and running yeah and, and I think you you might have hinted at it slightly but I'd, I'd suggest listeners look out for what, one of the polls coming in the next couple of weeks where we're going to actually be asking if you think the local camera branches should actually maybe abandon their typical sort of beer festivals for this year and maybe look to hold a series of smaller beer festivals in their local pubs that, that sit within their areas. So it'll be interesting to see what people think of that one when we put that out as a poll. Yeah, and um, uh, both of us got a few thoughts on that one, Steve. Keep your eye out for that poll uh, coming soon before the next show. Use the hashtag opinions, continue to use that hashtag, and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So from Rich Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 thank you both for your super kind words at the beginning, and it's been a pleasure being a small part of the show. Your support with the Vic is always loved and appreciated. And congratulations to the new number one fan. And here's to another great year of shows. And from Michael, said number one fan. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant episode to end the year, guys. Thanks for a great year of podcasting. I have to say the number one fan announcement was a total shock. Thank you very much, though, Stephen Martin. I'll try my best to keep up the engagement. From Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Finally got round to listening to the end of year review show and honoured to appear among all the lovely names considered for number one fan. Hope to see all of you lovely pals for some real life beers in Brum soon. And then from Simon Dewhurst at Simon Sloth. Great show to round off the year, guys. Honoured to make the fan of the year shortlist. Remarkably, I was still listening two hours in, so heard it. Smiling emoji. <laughs> Brilliant. From Ian Hay at I.I. Hay. I just got to that bit. That's made my Christmas Eve getting into the number one fan list. I know it's a bit of fun, but I'm well chuffed. And from Paulie G at Can I Get a P, another excellent episode. It's been a pleasure to be a part of it all. From Les O'Grady at Les O'Grady. Great listen this morning, guys. Thanks for the Neptune love from you and the listeners. And can I just say thanks to Julie and Les again for our little Neptune Christmas tree decorations. that. Oh, yeah, definitely. In, it was in, lovely. In, in the post. That was absolutely stunning. That was, I really enjoyed putting that on the tree. It really set it off. And then from Mark Johnson, lovely listening as wrapping presents. You unusually, my choices for the year correlate more with Steve than Martin for the first time. I didn't engage with a poll this year as I hope to write mine at some point. Thanks for all the entertainment this year. And from Gareth at Barrel Age Leeds. The end of year episode flew by today. Great help while on the screwed shift. One good aspect of 2020 is that while working from home, I've had time to listen to almost every episode for the first time in ages. Cheers, guys. 
From Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers. Not far through the show before I had to pause, but on a couple of points. One, I see no issue with IPA being your most consumed style again. It's reflective of the industry and you're always very open-minded and honest when trying new beers, which can't be easy when they're gifted. Two, question on the can size point. Do you think consumers are forcing breweries towards 440 millilitres? Axe Edge sensibly went to 330, but seems to have gone back to 440. And wonder beyond we're using 250 for huge milkshake IPAs. Great idea. But they seem to have reverted to 440 millilitres too. Personally, I think there's a whole show in those questions from Will. I, I, I think there is, but there's a couple of points I'm going to make, actually. First one, massive thanks to Will for, for the cheeky little care packages that he sent to us both. Yes. Containing two of his homebrew beers, which, which I thoroughly enjoyed both of them. Over yep. There was a West Coast style IPA and there was a tiramisu pastry stout, which basically did everything it said on the tin. Um, and then there were two really, really bang on style West Coast IPAs as well. So, so thanks a lot for that, Will. We really do appreciate it. Um, and then secondly, that the point about the Wonder Beyond moving back from 250 to 440, I'm pretty sure that was addressed in the Rhythm and Brews podcast that they yeah. did with Dan from Wonder Beyond. And I think it was it was purely a supply issue in, in so much as the, the supplier of their cans stopped making that size can. Um, and they wanted to keep the same width lid. They didn't want to go to the tall, thin 250 mil cans like you get Red Bull in um, because that would mean adjustments to their can in line. Whereas the 250 stubby cans were the same diameter yeah, same it's like it was like the can was cut in half wasn't it yeah yeah so i, th I think there were some issues there but th there were some interesting like you say there's some interesting questions there and considering that we've just um <clears throat> lost all of the polls that we had planned for the, the next few weeks maybe there's one in there that, that we can we, we can put out about can size again i know we've done it a couple of times in the past but it's probably time for it's probably one of those that needs a yearly revisit yeah i think it's still worth a, a bit of a chat about that at some point in the near future steve yeah back to the bitter in Linganis from neil hayden at neil hayden 747 excellent show chaps can't believe that i forgot to nominate drink the gradient as one of my beery highlights of the year you know what neil i can't believe i forgot that either because i had a great day um on on that day drinking the gradient of the tour de france stage that was brilliant and that's something that i'm definitely looking forward to again this year and then from the swan in york uh at the swan york great podcast about about the state of the beer industry Great concern shown for crisis-stricken pubs from about 26 minutes in. Campaign for pubs will continue to press for proper support for pubs and suppliers and to work for a fairer, more independent, sustainable future. Now, that was in reference to the Beer Nation podcast that, that, that we put out, collaboration with a number of other um, of our podcasting friends. And we did have loads of great feedback about that. So thank you to everybody who took the um, time to listen and, and to give us some feedback on Beer Nation as well. We did really enjoy the whole process yeah and yeah uh, i can only echo c's thanks both for listening so that's a lot of steve and martin in your ear rolls on the run up to year end but also for your feedback as well it's very positive and beer nation will be back in the in the greatest sense of a film finishing it will be back <laughs> it, it will we're, we're not i'm, I'm going to say this now it's not I, yearly i don't think i don't think it's something you can do yearly i don't think the industry changes enough yearly to to have that sort of discussion um two yearly 
maybe, but we'll see. We'll, yeah. it, it'll come back when the time is right. When it feels natural, and 2020 certainly felt like a natural point to jump back in again. Yes. From Martin Killick at Martin Killick, per your year-end request to hear from global listeners, I'm still listening in Austin, Texas. I'm a Brit originally and love hearing about the beer scene back in Blighty. Keep up the great shows. Also, really good to hear the Beer Nation episodes. Have missed hearing Emma Inch. Happy New Year, all. And from Menno Smith at O3O Beer Guide, Dutch listener checking in. Been listening for two years now. Really enjoy the show. Love your selection of beers. Far past the hype. Can't wait to come crimbo crawling and visit the UK beer scene again. Cheers from number nine, Untapped Beer City, Utrecht. Now, that's wonderful. That it's brilliant, back, isn't it? Yeah. That was off the back of our year-end show because we were astonished to find out what countries people listen to us in. So Martin and Menno, thank you very much for getting in touch. Absolutely. But we're still waiting for the Swedish contingent to, to check in. So <laughs> if, if, if you're out there listening, please, please let us know. Please give us a shout so that we can, we can shout you out on the next show. From Hugh 1979 at H Yardley 33. Great end of year show, guys. I need to get my hands on Oregon trowels. I've not sampled this yet. I can highly recommend barrel aged or the leaves are brown, though. Now, before I go any further, that reminds me of something. In the last show, right at the very beginning, when we were talking about Oregon trowel, you said it didn't quite tick all of the boxes for you. And you would come on to explain why later on. Very, very quickly, you got called out on that um, by, I think it was Paul at UNRCD called you out on that because you didn't actually address what boxes were missing in the last yeah. show, mate. So that, that... this this is your stage. <laughs> what, what, what about Oregon Trail did not tick all of the boxes for you? I think probably the first thing to say is, I think the main reason for not addressing it at the time was the steady increase in ABV. <laughs> <laughs> easily let's 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 be honest that's the that's the only reason we forgot to mention it um but thank you paul i can always rely on you to 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 shout out when one of us missed something um it's not so much about not ticking all the boxes for me it just doesn't tick the same boxes and the best way i can describe it is um I, i'm not really a dessert person but my favorite dessert is very simple ice cream vanilla is my go-to ice cream but every now and again, I love mint choc. And for me, the Big Eagle 2020 was my mint choc of the year. But Oregon Trail is definitely much more sessionable. The Big Eagle 2020 is like 7.2 and Oregon Trail is sub six. So, yeah. And also, I would also like to add that the second iteration of um, Oregon Trail definitely took it up another notch as well. That was, I think that was actually a better and when I was going through my 2020 beers of the year, it was definitely with Oregon Trail batch number one in mind rather than batch number two. Again, we're talking fine margins here. You know, we're not talking about a massive gulf between batch one and batch two and between Oregon Trail and Big Eagle 2020. But Big Eagle 2020 just sort of was a better iteration of a beer from the UK beer scene as my way of explaining why it doesn't tick all the boxes. Um, and also sometimes, as I've said before, it's also where I have a beer, which is why ultimately the beer of the year was the beer that I only had once in a bar in Prague the night before my birthday. So, you know, if I have Oregon Trail some point this year, God willing, fingers crossed, 
with Andy at the tap room, sitting outside at an industrial estate. Who knows where it will come this year? Because that is going to be a core beer. Uh, but we will come on to that in a minute because there is one more comment. But hopefully, Paul, that answers the missing point that our Martin forgot to, to make on the last show. But if it doesn't, Paul will let me know. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm absolutely <laughs> sure he will. So the final comment uh, from Simon at Barley Wine is Life. Just listened to the end of year show whilst having a stroll. Thanks for entertaining us this year. Some predictable and not so predictable bests of 2020. A great listen as always. Okay. So we also had some feedback from Andy at Elusive Brew. Nicest man in brewing. I think that is the universal accolade that he wears and can't it ever been taken away, to be honest. Wow. Thank you, Steve, for naming us as your Brewery of the Year and Oregon Trail as your Beer of the Year. Love listening to yours and Martin's picks. Seems timely to announce that Oregon Trail will feature in our 2021 core range, having had such a positive response. Um, The rest of you can't see Steve right now, but he is pleased. I can put it this way. And so am I, to be honest. Steve is just pleased on another level. Just, Just waiting for the monthly Oregon Trail subscription service to start. What, which is just 12 cans of Oregon Trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Andy also went on to say, um, the difference between the batches was twofold, both to do with dry hopping and the availability of Simcoe on contract. So, you know, first of all, Andy, thank you very much. Um, you know, Steve was more than happy to nominate uh, Oregon Trail as Beer of the Year and Elusive as Brewery of the Year. Um, interesting that there was a difference between batch number one and batch number two. And I think that second batch was just, just a little bit more refined, wasn't it? And just carries on giving. Uh, I think you said it on the show, Steve, with the bitterness at the end. It just lasts. Just brutally bitter. Yeah. So, you know, Andy, well done. And I don't think Steve regrets either of those two picks at all. No, absolutely not. And I still stand by those. But brilliantly as as well, we also heard from your brewery pick of the, the, the year. So Lee from Brew York emailed us. He got in touch and said, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed listening to the wheels coming off on the end of year show. Feel really humbled and honoured by the mentions and being awarded your brewery of the year, Martin. What makes it extra special is to share the podium with the nicest man in beer, Andy, who truly is as nice as the title suggests. Keep up the excellent work next year. Now, I think that's a first for us. I think that's the first time ever that our breweries of the year have actually listened to the show and got in touch and said, thank you for that. I, I, I love that. I think it's, it's brilliant. And it's kind of, it's reflective of what we tried to do with the podcast, isn't it? By getting everybody involved and being inclusive and having this little community around the podcast that, that brewers feel as though they can just get in touch and say, really like what you do. Yeah, no, I love it. And, you know, the, the fact that they've listened, the fact that they appreciate what we've said, um, it, it's just it's, it's just a wonderful part of it. And it just feels like they're also just part of that wider community. And it also means that our listeners can hear from them directly through us as well. So, yeah, I, I think it was wonderful. And both of them are so well-deserving um, of, the, you know, the range of beers, the style of beers, the quality of the output. Um, and, you know, the fact that another brewer is just going and saying, yeah, Andy, nicest man in beer. Yeah. I mean, seriously, there's never any point in having that as a category for the year end <laughs> review, is there? No, it's only one person. 
But we're, we're here now and it's it's a new year and it all starts again, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm quite excited about the, the, the year that's to come and the beers that we'll potentially try and the new breweries that we'll find. And ho- hopefully we'll be sat here in a year's time reflecting on what a fantastic year this this year was in beer. I think, I think there'll be some, you know, some of the quality of small batch in 2020, especially Steve, which was our main, main way of consuming beer was absolutely awesome whether it would be the ability to try and capture the cask qualities of a beer, some of the innovation by some of the breweries, the, the beer clubs, the rebranding. So many things were happening in the beer world last year, despite all of the challenges that breweries are facing with regarding getting their output to, to, to us as consumers. Hats off to them. If, if 2020 is an indicator, then 2021 should be a good one. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll be here to hopefully do our best to, to, to report on what's going on. Now, I don't know about you, but the uh, the Almasty Dank has finished. That was ages ago, mate. <laughs> I've, been, I've been running dry. I've been running on fumes, mate. Um, it was absolutely smashing that beer. Absolutely smashing it. Ian is obviously a fan of the show. He listens to the show. He was on the Crimbo Crawl with us. He knows what kind of beer we like. And he had he did pick a good one there. Very, very good. Almasty are a very accomplished and much loved brewery in the northeast, and they do a wonderful range of styles and stuff. But yeah, I'd find it hard to pick another beer that's just suited to Stephen Martin of the Beer O'Clock Show opinions than that one he just given us. It's brilliant. It, it does kind of that's almost us in a tin, is, yeah. isn't it? Let's, yeah, it's let, like, let, let's be honest. What beer should I go for that best describes Stephen Martin? Okay. It's just called Dank. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's absolutely it. And yeah, we are very grateful for Ian sending those down to us. We do have one more beer just to, I suppose, start on before we finish. Um, and that is again from uh, Cheviot. Or Cheviot. I'm not quite sure how it's pronounced. Uh, we always do our best to pronounce it twice wrong yep. so, so, so that we can be corrected. This one is Black Hag. It's a 4.4% oatmeal stout. Um, and again, seems to be the right beer for us to finish this week's show on. It definitely does. I mean, it's a bit of a cold, damp, wet first Monday of the month. Looks nice in the glass. There's a lovely roasted aroma on that as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. It does Love- definitely want to make you come in. Shall we? Let's get into it. Yeah, lovely creamy head on it as well. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, some lovely. That is a roasted... That the it's the roasted notes which are coming through for me there. I think I think because it's an oatmeal stout as well, it's it's kind of got na- natural smoothness about it. Yeah, it's got creaminess, hasn't it, about the body? Yeah, but at four point four percent, wow! If you were ever looking for a session stout that wasn't Guinness, that's that's probably it right there. Yeah, I mean, I think again, if you were if you were trying to convert a Guinness drink into that, I think they'd actually go, wow, there's a lot of flavour in there. And you, know, and you and I are both fans of Guinness. But part of that is the way it feels, the way it looks, where you're drinking it. This beer's got so much flavour profile, so much aroma. It's got that creaminess from the oatmeal, but it's not thick. It's still quite light. Yeah, it's, it's light and it's, it's really the aroma. easy to drink. That yeah. aroma and flavour is just wonderful. It's quite dry at the end as well. Yes, yeah. It's, it's got a lovely finish to it. And it is, it is the perfect beer um, to, to finish this week's show on. We will put um, a link in the show notes to where you can get Cheviot beers. 
Um, Chevy, I don't know. I'm probably still pronouncing it wrong, but there's. I reckon we've. The I reckon anyway. we've pronounced it two or three different ways, and I would be surprised if any of them are right. Yeah. Well, what, you know, why why change the habits of a lifetime? Start mate? the year as we mean to go on, Steve. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we, you know, we're famous for pronouncing stuff wrong. Um, what have we got coming up on the next show, mate? Well, it's obviously time for a guest, as you'd expect, and the first guest is a listener of the show. And a previous number one fan, Sean O'Reilly at Untrulia. And we're going to enjoy the latest Ghost Ship 10th birthday collaboration beers from Adnams. I think, are we going to do the whole lot, Steve, or three of them? We've got, me. Uh, there's three currently available, and, and we do have all three of those. Um, so we're going to do all three of them. And I'm pretty sure we'll probably have a Ghost Ship on the go as a kind of control sample as, as, as well, I would have thought. It's me, you and Sean. It's, it's obviously going to... I mean, yeah. Sean lives in Adams Country, Adams County. I mean, it's the whole... It, it, this should be good fun. And also, Sean is a very accomplished home brewer as well. He is as, as well. And let's, let's also forgot to give him his um, official title, which is obviously the official statistician of, of the show as, as well. Not just a former number one fan. No, and, he's had many titles. And um, if anyone else wants him to be there to do stats, please uh, read the small print. But no, I'm very much looking forward to doing those. So we have got um, we've got the collab that they did with Camden Town, which was uh, India Pale Lager. Um, the collab that they did with Beaver Town, which was a tropical session parallel. And the latest one, which is a collab with Magic Rock, yeah. which is a red rye session IPA. Yeah, All no, of them based on ghost ship recipe and yeah. ingredients. And, you know, we'll touch on it more in a couple of weeks' time. But isn't it amazing that a regional brewer from, from mid-Suffolk is collabing with the likes of Magic Rock and Beaver Town and Camden. It's 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 brilliant. It just it shows. I suppose it shows the the how wide friendships in the, the brewing industry stretch. Really, yeah. I think this is a lot to do with Fergus. Yeah, but we'll let's let's put a pin in that one. Yeah, because I've, I'm I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that on on the next show. So while you and I finish off our Black Hag oatmeal stout uh we will say cheers to everyone uh just wish you all a happy new year once again and we will see you in a few weeks time cheers cheers it's a new day it's a new